wanted to talk about your uh, your current research, which is also very uh, exciting and um, uh, interesting, mm -hmm. uh, with the penalized uh, regression mm -hmm. uh, approach that that you did uh, published in the uh, BMC Medical Research. Don't worry, I will link to the paper in the show notes. It's possible. So uh, yeah, maybe you can uh, allude to that a little bit. Sure. Um, so penalized regression um, has seen a very large rise, basically with the rise of high-dimensional data. Um, so high-dimensional data, just to define that real quick, is when you have uh, low n and large p. That is, you have a lot of predictors and very few observations. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so when you have a problem where you basically have too few observations for the number of parameters that you want to fit. And a general problem when you have too few observations is that your model is going to be is going to be overfitted, is going to be a, sort of trying to adapt itself too closely to the data, which is great in the sense that you get a very good fit to your data. However, you know, if your sample size is relatively small, that model is unlikely to validate well outside of that sample. Yeah, to generalize well. Exactly, but this is this is general. This is often what you really want from a model is that it holds up in general and not just to the sample you've collected. Okay, but if you if uh, your number of parameters, so your variables are very large and your observations are too few, you're prone to overfitting if you use. Uh, typical maximum likelihood methods, methods yeah, yeah. and this is where penalized regression comes into play, which is um, penalizing or puts in an error term to your model, which makes it more costly to have a large coefficient. So in, in a sense, you shrink your, your coefficients, Efficiency. your estimates, which is, a, if you will, a kind of pessimism that you build into it, so that it fits less well to your data, you sort of you know, shrink also called uh, shrinkage, shrinkage or, yeah. and so you, 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 you shrink your effects a little bit which then okay worsens the fit to your data but um, most of the time it will then fit much much better to external data and this overfitting is very very common in this uh, uh, high dimensional setting and he uh, sort of one of the very well known a representative from penalized regression, which many may have heard of, is the lasso. The lasso, yeah. Or that's the rich regression. Uh -huh. Exactly. Basically, okay. the, the lasso is, I think, uses the, the absolute um, um, term and the rich regression uses the quadratic, uh, the, exactly. the beta squared, right? Exactly, yeah. for the penalty term, that's right. Now, however, uh, I did not deal with... Um, high-dimensional data, which, like I said, is where it sort of first found its application. What I've done in my research is identified other areas in, in research, in particularly health research, epidemiology, um, where you actually don't have high-dimensional data, uh, meaning we don't have thousands or millions of variables. We actually have not so many, maybe tens or Ten. hundreds. However, um, it can and what, what would be a typical predictor in that sense? So, for example, I have I've looked at um, drugs that patients have taken, okay. different, different 
um, subscription drugs and some of the patients develop then a severe skin reaction. So you're trying to find which drugs was actually the cause of the skin reaction, oh, okay, which yeah. drugs can then predict that the occurrence of this uh, adverse skin reaction. Yes. And the problem I faced there, or, or why, why the spinalized methods fit into this, even though, like I said, that's not high dimensional data, is because in my setting, uh, some of the predictors are very, very sparse. So maybe um, if you, you might have 10,000 patients, which is an ample study size normally. However, if you have a binary predictor, such as ha patient has taken the drug versus or has not, not taken yeah, the yeah. drug, and maybe only five patients have actually taken the drug. Yeah, that's very that's okay, a very okay, sparse yeah. predictor. And then you will also get those same problems of overfitting that you oh, actually have very sparse data, just like in the high dimensional setting. And in this setting, again, penalized regression works very, very well. I see. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so it's not a an entirely sort of uh, methodological innovation. But it is an innovation by identifying this new field where up until now this problem is, is not usually it's recognized. Not, not recognized and not applied, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the nice thing about penalized regression also you have to say nowadays it's it's quite easy to implement too. It's it's quite common, it's it's well understood. Most statistical softwares can implement it easily. So I think there's a package in R, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that I read in the paper. I think it's called CT Logit. Um, yeah, but but like you said, yes. it's easily implemented. Exactly. Can look it up. Yeah, yeah. So the the work we did there was not published in the statistical journals so much, but more the the health oriented journals, yeah. to really bring the message to study investigators, to other epidemiologists, to encourage them to to use penalized regression, um, in many settings where where this is common. And, and and the thing is, it's a surprisingly common problem that you have a sparse predictor, right? If you think binary predictors, they are very common, obviously, but that it can cause a problem of sparse data when, when, uh, when your predictor is, is very rare and that you could not just use your typical regression models. This is still not recognized. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hopeful that, uh, the, this publication will bring more, uh, let's uh, let's say sort of uh, focus on on that uh, uh, issue that that you've just mentioned, or are people catching up to that, or how? Uh, have you, in other words, have you seen some uh, further uses already? Yeah, of course, it's, it was recently uh, published, but uh, yeah. Well, certainly not this publication itself. That there, there is uh, kind of a let's say. There, 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 there are many others making a similar sort of plea that newer methods such as penalized regression should be used more broadly in, in health research too. Um, so I think it'll, it takes, a, let's say, several, um, several outlets to really get the message across. And, True, yeah. and my hopeful, maybe, because you see, a, <laughs> you really just see a, you know, a lot of great propositions made all the time in publications, but very few of them actually catch True. on True, yeah. um, but still you never know and I think certainly why which is why I mentioned I think the simplicity of it I think that's certainly a benefit and one of the reasons why it may very well catch on catch on yeah true yeah 
also i mean it's kind of if you, if you think about it easy to to quote unquote sell if you just say it's okay to think of it like logistic regression just with this uh, p, uh with this penalty term uh, and it actually helps you also with variable selection because at least with with a lasso uh, because of the absolute value it shrinks down some some to zero right so that's that also helps you in of, of course that would be an argument more for the sorry that would be an argument more for the high dimensional setting but that's a nice uh, feature also i think yes um, you should use it with care always okay. because variable selection is much more difficult than just having a method which selects them for you but there, that is actually one of the reasons why lasso in particular has become so popular is because it does fitting and variable selection at the same time, which for many purposes can work very well. That is true. Cool. Yeah. 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 So I think that already brings us to the end. I mean, I found this episode to be quite enlightening, amazing, and I will definitely uh, put, put in the show notes the papers the, such that people can up and I would encourage people to do that uh, because it's so interesting. And um, what I like to do is to ask the, my, uh, the guests on my uh, podcast, so did you ever or, or did you always know that you want to become a mathematician or when did that manifest uh, itself? Pretty typically I would say in school it was my most favorite subject mathematics and uh, so I went on to study math and then I found the application side of math always very fascinating and statistics is probably one of yes. the most uh, applicable areas of mathematics. So while I was studying, I found uh, that was for me the reason why I like statistics so much is because you can Apply work in so many way. different That's fields yeah. and solve real world problems. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can uh, strongly underline that, that message. But did, I mean, uh, did you always, I mean, when what one cannot assume that one ends up in, a, in an institute for medical biometry and, and statistics, like you said, it's, it's um, applicable in so, in so many areas. So uh, I, I guess that was more or less some, some also, don't get me wrong, but random events went to uh, you being, being here. One can focus on it a little bit and maybe shape a little bit the direction, but uh, there's also, um, yeah, I guess, a little bit of randomness involved uh, in, in that. But yeah, li uh, like you said, I mean, I can um, underline that. It's certainly true that... Also, I, I would actually argue that the statistics, what, what many people don't realize and recognize, is becoming actually more and more important. So also, people have kind of the wrong uh, view of statistics as this sometimes, or I've, I've heard people who, who are not really trained to say that, okay, there are these baseball statisticians and basically they have their marks okay hits and, and goals and whatever and count the goals and so on which is of course couldn't be farther <laughs> from from what modern statistics at least actually does and is um so i think that's a very good um good message uh, of yours do you also like to listen to podcasts can you recommend for the listeners a podcast or also uh maybe magazines that you read and can recommend uh i i listen to podcasts a lot almost every day i would say and um, there is that I like very much um, an epidemiology podcast. It's cool. called Epidemiology by the Society of 
Epidemiology in the United States. Uh, it's still a relatively new podcast. I think they're up to five episodes right now. And it's also nicely done in that it's very approachable. It's, I, I would say, for, an, for a sort of uh, non-professional audience so anyone can listen to it and um, sort of get an idea of the typical problems that epidemiology studies have in common and typical topics. And I, I will add that in my podcatcher, <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't aware of it. I mean, uh, I can also, are you aware of not so, standard, not so Standard Deviations by Roger Peng and Hilary Parker? Only by name. Um, I think that's also, could be interesting for you. Maybe we can uh, discuss sure. it later. Thanks. But then, yeah, this uh, brings to the end, unless you don't, uh, unless you would want to add uh, something. But like I said, uh, very interesting episode and I'm looking forward to writing the show notes to this. Thank you very much yeah. for having me once more. Bye-bye.